Business in the Okanagan Matters. This is Law Talk with lawyers Clay Williams and Tanvir Gill from FH&P Lawyers, LLP. They talk business and take your questions at podcast at fhplawyers.com. Now, here's Clay Williams. Welcome to FH&P Lawyers Law Talks. I'm Clay Williams. I'm a partner here at FH&P and with me is Tanvir as usual. Hi, Tanvir. Hi, Clay. So what's new today? Not much. We've got a great show today. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, topic today, and, and the topic is immigration in the law. With us today is Carly Perryman. Hi, nice to be here today, guys. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be great. Now, you're part of our immigration department. Yeah, I am along with Marvin, Marvin Geeky, who is an associate here, and we also have uh, three other lawyers that are just coming on board too, so lots of exciting things happening. Mm -hmm. I love that we have an immigration department because I have so many clients that need some type of immigration consultation. Either it's something simple like they want to invite somebody from their home country to come stay with them for a bit, or it's something more complex. I think the last thing I sent you was a client who wasn't sure if their like 16-year-old could get back into the UK, right? Right, yeah. So we it's get nice. A lot, we get a lot of different uh, different queries. It's a pretty broad subject, for yeah. sure. Well, well, why don't we start off and just tell us, like, what, what is it that the Immigration Law Department does here? Like, what, what, do, you, what do you do? Okay, where do I start? Um, so we do a lot of different Canadian immigration issues. So right from immigration appeals, um, helping people who are out of legal status in Canada, uh, inadmissibility matters, deportations, and then also um, going into the federal court review process. Um, a lot of our day-to-day stuff is, I call it happy law helping people with spousal sponsorships, um, family sponsorships, um, students are in Canada. It's just a, a huge area, actually, isn't it? So, you know, I don't know what, what all of those things are, but uh, I'll tell you, you hear about in the news all the time is the lack of workers in, in Canada. And uh, do you get that with your clients too? Um, oh, yeah. I think the biggest overlap for me with our immigration department or just immigration generally with my specific business real estate practice is clients who have foreign workers. So a lot of um, agricultural operations where they have people from Jamaica or Mexico coming in to help with the labor shortage. But not just that. I mean, I mean, I, you hear about the farm workers, but it seems like there's just a lack of workers in general, and you hear about it from in the construction industry and restaurants as, as well. Do you deal with that part is, is in satisfying uh, employers and getting foreign workers in, into Canada? Absolutely. Yeah, so we've had a number of clients reach out to, out to us recently expressing those exact same issues. They just cannot find people to work in their businesses. I don't know where they all went, um, but we just need people. Um, So Canada Immigration is definitely focusing on that right now, and we're helping our clients to find those workers and do the applications to bring them here. What is Canada Immigration doing to help? The Minister of Immigration, Sean Fraser, he did just make a statement saying that they are increasing immigration targets for this year and the next two years. Um, Because of COVID, obviously, there's been lot less travel so we haven't seen those foreign workers coming um can can i I just jump in there sorry so so with those targets you know you hear about a target overall but are there sub sub targets as well or quotas or or you know like you hear about well we can't get people in the construction industry we need people to do they have a specific number they do so each province is allowed to mandate what kinds of uh, employees they want to bring 
So uh, in BC, for example, there is a huge need for construction, huge need for restaurant service, customer service, and those kind of things. So other provinces might be different, so they mandate what those occupations look like and how many people they need. And then there's also programs at the federal level. So they look at, you know, federally, across Canada, what kind of workers do we need to bring here and how many, what's that gonna look like? I didn't realize, I don't know if you did, that the provincial government had, had a role. I always thought of it as a, as a federal thing. No. Yeah, so each province has what's called a provincial nomination program. Mm. Um, so we have the BC PNP program, and they set out uh, a number of spaces each year for people that, they, that are skilled workers, where those need areas are, and then they invite them to apply to be a permanent resident mm -hmm. in Canada and they also give them an interim work permit so that they can start filling those labor needs. Ah, that's a role into becoming a permanent resident. What do we hear about on the news, temporary foreign workers, is that different? Yes and no. So there's a, another program called the Labor Market Impact Assessment. You'll hear a lot, a talk of LMIA. I get a lot of that all the time. And what that is, it's a program through Service Canada where employers can apply to fill spots with temporary foreign workers if they can't find Canadians to fill those jobs. So that can be short term, like Tanvir said, um, for you know farming and orchards and vineyards, all of those things that we have here, or it can be more long term, so two to three year work permit contracts for people that are in other skilled professions. Okay, so walk me through the process. So Tavir and I have a client that says, I can't find people to work in my auto shop or something. What do we need to do? So number one, we do an assessment of the job position. Okay, so Canada sets out, um, they have what's called the National Occupation Classification, and they um, tell you whether that job is considered to be a managerial position, which is O, A, which is post-secondary training, B, which is skilled training, and then C and D, which is low wage on the job training. Which seems like yeah. that that's the area, those C and right. D, that, that we don't have enough of right now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So once we determine that one, we can figure out the path that we want to take the employer down. So if we do a labor market impact assessment, we advertise a position for four weeks according to the requirements set by Service Canada, because the goal is to look for a Canadian to fill the job. Mm -hmm. That's what we have to show that our client has looked and they just can't find no one's available, yeah. okay, which is very likely in this market right now. Once those four uh, weeks... What, what do they need to do then? They just go... Show they've had an ad up. Yeah, right. so, yeah. They, so we advertise through the federal job bank yeah. and then we have to have different types of advertising requirements based on the job. So online, mm -hmm. through different community organizations. We found lately that we're not getting a lot of Canadians for those positions. Most of the resumes are coming from overseas. So after that four weeks, if we can't find a Canadian, then we submit a labor market impact assessment application to Service Canada. Then we have an, an interview with the LMIA officer and they will ask our client and we'll be there to help them to answer questions regarding the recruitment, you know, what a difficult time they've had and what kind of position this person would be filling. Once that then gets approved, then now they have an LMIA approval letter which allows the applicant, the foreigner, to then apply for a work permit. Okay, and how, how do the foreigners know about all this? Well, we, we tell them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of our job. Ah. Uh, so we contact those applicants. We'll do a vetting process to make oh, sure Oh, these are they, the ones that responded bring. on Indeed, and I guess that's in every country. Yeah. And, or if the employer has found someone else ah. through word of mouth. Okay, so mm -hmm. um, 
For example, we have a lot of chef clients right now, so they might know um, another chef that's looking for a position. Uh, so we do the vetting process with those people on behalf of the employer. Number one, to make sure that they're eligible to enter Canada. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, tell us about that. Uh, what do they need to be to be eligible to enter Canada? Well, number one, they need to not have a criminal record. Yeah, I was just thinking. <laughs> I think that's the <laughs> Do you have a clear record? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, number two, we need to make sure that they meet the requirements to be a temporary resident in Canada. Mm. So, do they have a travel history? That's really important, right? Why? Um, the, why? Re the reason why is because Canada wants to know that they're just coming here as a temporary worker, that they're not oh. coming here to stay Permanent. and then yeah. go off the map. Okay? We, they want people that are honest and that are going to fulfill the job requirements and that, that are going to leave yeah. when they're supposed to leave. Yeah, okay. so that's what we make sure of. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like if they did like it here, th there, there'd be another program that you could help them with. Is Absolutely, that mm -hmm. yeah. So then we prepare them to become a permanent resident. Okay? So there are a lot of programs. I don't think we'd be here all day if we went into all of them. Um, but basically, we look at them and we say, okay, um, you want to become a permanent resident? Are you going to have to work in Canada? Uh, what kind of English language skills do you have or French? Um, so we'll do an assessment with them and then we can create that plan. So hopefully, yeah. by the end of that two or three year work permit, that permanent residency is already in process yeah. and then we can keep them here so that they can work for that employer long term. Did you, do you feel like because of COVID, the timelines are extra long now or is it sort of the same as it was before? I would say that they're long. Um, yeah. But then again, it just depends and you know, I think we were talking a little bit about this earlier. Canada has trade agreements with different countries where they guarantee expedited processing. So every country has a different processing time. What are the expedited ones? So a couple of them, so we were talking about um, the Kuzma trade agreement, so Canada-US-Mexico agreement. Mm -hmm. So obviously um, Canada has made it a bit easier for Mexicans and US citizens to be able to come here and work. Yeah. Is that where, where you're seeing most of the workers coming from is Mexico right now? A lot from Mexico, uh, especially in the agricultural field. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of from all over. I mean, Canada's a really desirable place to live. I think, you know, for skilled workers, those high skill managerial, you know, post-secondary education, we get people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as far as the temporary foreign worker programs, I think we do see a lot of Mexico right now yeah. because that's the easiest and fastest way for people because of that that treaty we've got one thing that always i always wondered about is so if you are a temporary foreign worker and you get to canada and you hate your job or mm -hmm. you hate your employer are, are you able to go get another job or are you kind of locked in there yeah i would say that most people are locked in yeah okay. they get what's called a closed work permit so their employer is named on their work permit. Mm. So they're not allowed to even have another part-time job. So you can't have your day job and then moonlight somewhere else. Yeah. You're only limited to working for that company. Oh yeah. Um, there are certain circumstances where people can get an open work permit. We'd have to qualify them from, through another program. Mm -hmm. So the labor market impact assessment process is always a closed work permit. Interesting. Okay. We're dealing with that a bit when we have business sales, for example. Mm -hmm. And if you have active employees that are through the work program, then we're saying, do you have employees and are any on any type of program? Mm -hmm. Because then our buyers are updating the immigration paperwork to reflect the correct 
employer. Exactly. Yeah. So which is tough, right? Because then potentially, you know, they have to go through that labor market impact assessment again. Potentially. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's kind of even with existing employees. Well, if it's a new company. So, right? so yeah. Oh, new company buy an asset. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So if going back to what you were saying, if a person really hates their job and mm-hmm. they want to stay in Canada, they have to find another Canadian employer that's willing to go through that LMIA process. And then they have to apply for a new work permit. Mm. Okay, so so what are the responsibilities that the employer takes on then in bringing a, a foreign worker? Uh, do they have to provide housing, for instance, or what? What do they have to do? So for low wage and agriculture programs or anything that's short term, yes. Yeah. So they provide a flight for the person. They have to provide a flight home, and they have to provide accommodation. Okay, so the accommodation can be built into you know the contract. Or, and it can be something that the employee would pay into. Yes. It just depends how, they, how they've worked that out. What about the employer? If they've brought somebody over and it turns out this person's like just lazy, what are the employer's responsibilities then? So they are governed by the Employment Standards Act, right? So it'd be the exact same rules as how you would treat a Canadian. So if someone you know, misrepresented themselves and they couldn't do the job, then you would just follow the Employment Standards Act um, as far as how you would deal with that. Hmm. How far in advance should employers be reaching out? So if we have, every industry is different, but if if it's something like farming, where, you know, let's say they need labor by harvest, Mm -hmm. how long should they give themselves to start the process with our immigration department to make sure that when it comes time for them to have the labor there, it's there? Really really good question, but maybe not just farming too, Mm -hmm. because I I don't do a lot of farms. So just for anything. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think as soon as possible, because I mean, our goal is to prepare a comprehensive application. Um, So we're gonna have to gather some information from the company, and sometimes that takes a little bit of time, right? So we're looking at connecting with their accountant, right? Getting, um, you know, financial documents, payroll documentation, Mm -hmm. all of those things. So, I mean, the sooner that the client can come to us, then we can give them a list of what they need to get and we can help them through that process. Mm -hmm. You know, and then at that point, we can look at the, the estimated processing times estimated um, because you know then that we can kind of time it out to see you know what when we think the application would be approved and then we look at the work permit how long it's going to take for those work permits to be approved as well are you starting from scratch with every employer like they've had somebody come already once are they just going under the same program or is it starting from scratch each time so you still you still have to do the application but it is a little bit easier because mm-hmm. if your employer has already had an approved LMIA, yeah, um, they don't have to go through that stringent screening process. Yeah. So Service Canada isn't really looking at the legitimacy of their business. They're just looking to see if they have a need for the workers. Yeah. Tanvir's question stuck with me though. Like, do you have any sense of the timing right now? I can only go from our recent experience. So the last LMIA that we submitted, I think it took about a month for them to input it into the system to give us the number. And then I think it was about two or three weeks when we got the interview date. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was about two months start to finish for us to get the LMIA approval. We don't, I haven't done any temporary foreign worker short term seasonal. So I don't, I think those timelines are a bit shorter. Yeah. I would say, but if you need someone right now, people want to snap their fingers, it's not going to happen right away. Yeah. So you're looking at about two months to get the application approved, plus the four weeks of advertising that you have to do. Yeah. And then the work permit. 
right? So it just depends on the country. So Mexico is pretty quick. I think it's about two weeks right now. But then, you know, if you're looking at India, you might be looking at 22 months. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, we've spent a lot of time on on getting workers here. I'm pretty sure there's other stuff you do. And <laughs> we're running out of time here. But can you just tell us briefly about, you know, what are some of the other reasons people come to see you? Well, my favorite thing is the spousal sponsorships and family reunification because I really think that we get to know people through that process and you can't you get to see how love works and what how people have these uh, I, I love I love that <laughs> that's great um, so you know I always ask we ask for a love story from each of the partners in the relationship yeah so we get to see you know how they fell in love um, how they met how their relationship progressed and then we can put that together and submit that to Immigration Canada to express that they should be able to be together. Um, for me, that's personal because I went through that. I'm married to an American. So we went through that process um, 10 years ago now. And that was how I got interested in immigration law. I had done civil litigation for many, many years. And as you know, sometimes that is not happy, happy law. law. <laughs> um, but you know, immigration law, it was such, it was a difficult process to get through, even being a paralegal, mm -hmm. when it's your own and it's personal, it's hard to do that paperwork for yourself. Yeah. So, you know, after we went through that and it was successful, he's been here for 10 years. Um, you know, we just had our 10th wedding anniversary. Yay, so congratulations. You know, I think that's the favorite part of our job. Um, that Mar I think Marvin likes it too. Yeah, um, I hope and so. Then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, and you then you know the other part that we I think we really get challenged by is doing the appeal work and the in inadmissibility and then the deportation because it's always different. There's always a story, and you know I think that a lot of the things that people go through you can't even imagine. And it's just, you know, we want to be able to help them because it's uh, going through that on your own with no counsel would mm -hmm. just be impossible. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming. And uh, it sounds like there's a million uh, more things we could go through, but that's the time we got for today. FHMP lawyers are rooted in community and ready to help. Send your business law questions to podcast at fhplawyers.com.